Well, John, it's uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little tired, but um, Jerome Tang has given me a huge surge of joy. We got a two for one yesterday, John. Two cat signals. What was on Thursday, what was on Saturday. Um, We all thought, because the last two ones had dropped pretty quickly after that, but it took a few days, and on Monday, both of them dropped. Um, One of them's a high school recruit, Dorian Finister, and then the other one's a Duco transfer, uh, Naquan Tomlin, I believe. Is the uh, is how you would say his name, but uh, two pretty good gets, John. Um, and he's not done yet. Um, it just it just feels really good to just have um, top K State or top basketball players from around the country um, coming to Manhattan, Kansas. I mean, the coaching staff has really got it going, uh, Blake, for sure. You 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 landed two commits yesterday, one of which was one of the top JUCO prospects in America. Um, and then you're also going to get uh, – uh, you also had a top 50 player visit this past weekend, Sean Phillips. You got a top 50 player from the 2023 class with Layden Blocker, uh, as well as a five-star Julian Phillips visiting this weekend. Uh, and you also had um, – you also have one of the best scores in college basketball, Antoine Davis, who was very impressed of K-State. He has he has him in the – as one of the top five options as well. So – uh, this coaching staff, they're really getting things going for sure. Yeah, it's just a, it's just weekend after weekend. Uh, you know, KSO's really in, you know, go Powercat. They're really making their money in their offseason uh, this year, really which probably, it's probably really good for them. Getting a lot of business with all this news. But yeah, Dorian Finister, a three star out of New Orleans. He's a six five shooting guard. Um, we were competing with uh, guys like Houston and uh, Texas AM. There were some other mid majors in there. But uh feels pretty good to get him fast. Um, uh, Naquan Tomlin was from Chipola College. I believe he also did a year at uh, Monroe Community College. He's an NYC native, which I believe has a, is a place that Jareem Dowling um, kind of has some connections. So, well, that, I mean, well, that and a few players as well with yeah. Marcus Noel and Ish Masood as well. So really, really good way to expand on that New York presence as well. Yeah, I mean, John, I keep coming back to um, – that I think I said something on the show like a month ago. That's like when nobody had transferred. I'm just like, gosh, I mean, we only have like, I think it was right when Selton transferred. It's like, God, we only have like one roster spot open. It's not like we can just part the Red Sea and get a bunch of five stars in and look at me looking really stupid a month from now. We have a pretty much, a, we could fill our entire roster with, you know, top 100 recruits and five stars and stuff. So, I mean, I mean, Coach Tang and his staff are really working miracles. Um, I know there's some rumors about um, how he's going to fill out the rest of his staff. Rodney Perry, who is actually um, uh, Julian Phillips' coach over at the Link Academy, I'm pretty over sure, in right? Branson, yeah. yeah, in Branson, Missouri. Um, uh, he is linked to K-State, so it's just a wait-and-see type thing. But, John, I think um, being able to get guys like from uh, Branson, Link Academy, that place is just a machine for a bunch of great uh, college basketball players. Yeah, college basketball players. And a Layden Blocker, a 2023 four-star, who's from Sunrise Christian Academy, who uh, is in the Wichita area. And it's, uh, that's obviously a place that's um, got a bunch of great people as well. Uh, Ty Berry, who's from Newton, Kansas, as well mm-hmm. as I think Buddy Heald went to Sunrise Christian as well. So those are two yeah, huge Heald, academies yep. um, in the nearby area that you really need to uh, capitalize on. Because, I mean, Julian Phillips, this, <laughs> his rivals page is just insane. He's got 28 offers. Um, 30 schools um, that have shown interest. I mean, we're competing with, you know, KU. Um, it says his top school is LSU, 
John, well, I'm a little he, skeptical. Well, he de well he, he decommitted from LSU previous. Well, he de decommitted from LSU with what's going on oh, yeah. with the stuff in the NCAA yeah. investigations and all that. Um, I I think uh, you know, you know, I think Auburn is definitely being considered to be yeah. one of the top three along with Tennessee as well. So. Uh, now you put K State in the mix, and things are starting to get interesting. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned it with Rodney Perry being uh, being potentially uh, uh, potentially um, uh, one of a uh, one of the additions to the K State coaching staff. Uh, it could really, it could really. Um, I, th I think it could be re really intriguing to see how this goes. With uh, what will he kind of go to? Well. Uh, Phillips go to a new direction or will he uh, stick to his roots with, with his coach in Manhattan? So um, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but um, go, going back to yesterday, um, it's only, it's only the start when you, when you got Dorian Fenister um, who, who led the Carver Collegiate Academy with, uh, who with over 12 points per game, uh, almost seven rebounds, three assists per game. He also, he led, uh, he led uh, his team uh, to the Louisiana state championship under uh, he, he was kind of in the shadow of Gatorade, Louisiana player of the year uh, and Solomon Washington, who will be playing for Texas A&M as well. Uh, but he, but he, he has shown he can, he can, he can pull off, pull out a lot of stuff, especially um, with rebounding because K-State, uh, historically in the past, um, throughout the past few years have, have been really depleted, uh, in, 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 uh, inside the paint. Um, and then yeah. you also look at Naquan, uh, he was, he was the top recruit available out of the Juco ranks, uh, scored, a, uh, scored an average of 11 points, tallied over four rebounds per game. Um, just think about the possibilities very that they're able uh, that they're able to have with uh, under Jerome Tang's staff. Uh, it's it's definitely exciting uh, to potentially witness for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, you tweeted about it, John. That I think uh, shoots fifty four percent from the field. I think almost forty percent from three. I mean, I watched 30, some of his 37. highlights. Thirty seven. Thirty yeah. seven. Sorry. Yeah, almost. Oh, yeah, pretty up there. Um, but he can spread the floor. I watched some of his highlights. He's he can dribble the ball pretty well. He's a good finisher. You know, has a mid range game as well. Um, you know, he's a little skinny, but I think, you know, at K-State, if you get, you know, we got great, like, you know, um, food nutrition people who will, you know, get his calories up and, you know, help him put on some weight. Um, but I think he'll be a huge addition. Um, but I think, John, these are, these are great gets, right? These, you know, three-star, four-stars um, or, you know, some top Juco players. I mean, these are really good gets. But I think these Antoine Davis and Julian Phillips type guys are really just on another level. I mean, we haven't gotten a five-star since Wally Judge in 2009 or, um, you know, and then you have to go back to Michael Beasley, Bill Walker um, under Bob Huggins in those kind of days. I mean, I think we're going back to those kind of days, but the, I mean, Antoine Davis, Julian Phillips, these would be like different kinds of dudes that Jerome Tang was talking about getting them to uh, K-State. It's, I mean, it would just be, I can't imagine. I mean, especially this in combination with some, you know, if we could get some good news from football recruiting, I mean, it could, it could be one of the best off seasons K State has ever had in athletics history when it comes yeah. to recruiting. Uh, there's no doubt about it, it's, especially in the basketball land, where 
where it just didn't look like there was a whole lot of excitement throughout the past few years. But not not only did Tang, uh, when he first came into Manhattan, he really just hit the home run when it came to the media impressions, um, the fan interactions. Uh, he's starting to really get things going in the recruiting. It, it took a little while. Uh, it, it was stalled a little bit. I think a lot of us here were a little bit uncomfortable with the amount of players we had, but uh, we just had to have some patience. And now, and now it looks like Coach Tang has, has gotten gotten things rolling. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Coach Tang saw this all along, even when there were eight, nine players in the transfer portal, and we weren't and, able to replace them immediately. And I, I, you also add to to that, uh, but what the the type of players that Tang is getting as well, he's getting the young guys, so they got the amount the amount of eligibility left uh, in their career, I, except for Antoine yeah. Davis. He'll be, I think he he he'll likely be a one and done at K State. Yeah, uh, Naquan Tomlin has two years left of eligibility. Obviously, Dorn Finister's a class of 22 guy. Yeah. Um, Julian Phillips is class of 22. Um, I think you got Taj Manning as well. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, Taj Manning as well, the, one of the Weber recruits who's going to stay. Cam Carter, he just played one year, right? So I think he has three to four, depending on if he wants to exercise his, or if the, maybe he didn't have a COVID option, but he has three years of eligibility left, and I think it's yeah. the same for Colbert. Yeah, 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 Joel okay. Colbert as well. So, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, he's setting himself up for success, not only this year using the transfer portal, but for, you know, years to come since there's no, you know, one-year penalty now, um, which is something that, I mean, I think in hindsight, Bruce Weber probably should have done, just hopped on the transfer portal way more, especially with such a young team. But, you know, that's neither here we, nor there. And we were seeing a, well, not not only is he is he setting up a great example of doing that, but you look at some of the upper Big Twelve schools, such as Iowa State, Texas Tech. The way the way they've been really racking up some of these wins um, throughout the season was the amount of transfers that they had. So, but the transfer portal could really come in many beneficial ways. I know with the with the NIL, with the NIL just completely the bonanza that just it's it's absolutely insane oh uh the way it's going it could i mean I, I, I on one on one hand it could harm k-state like uh with, with the loss of nigel pack um that that time it was mainly more about the money but at the same time uh you're getting an opportunity to go after some talent that k-state fans might not been aware of or didn't think they'd get a shot at getting I mean, this yeah. is some very impressive stuff that, that the coaching staff are able to pull pull out. Yeah, I think any of the deficiencies that K-State might have in their recruiting in terms of location, not being next to a big hub or anything like that, um, not you know being a big town within itself, but it's a great fan base, and the coaches are obviously people that are all about connections, and I think those are the things that can really um, overcome any of those deficiencies. But, John, it's going to be really weird. Um, one of those first games – we just, we're definitely, I think everybody's going to be looking at their programs, just to, trying to figure out all these guys' names. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be I'm, weird. I'm like that every year. When I, when I look at the freshman names, I'm like, who, who is that? And it's like, yeah, but oh, it's going to be the entire, oh, it's, our, it's Dorian Finister. Yeah. Our starting oh, five. It's Darrell Colbert. Uh, it, it's, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a fresh new look. And yeah. For K-State fans, probably thankful that, that you still have players such as Marquise Noel and Ish Masood based on familiarity, but you also have them 
as as also being some of a linchpins for some of the players. We, I mean, back on uh, a couple weeks back when after Antoine visited Manhattan, uh, he he loved K State. Uh, he uh, and then Marquise uh, replied back, and so uh, and so as Ishmael. So it's really building those relationships. Um, that not only has taken effect on the recruiting visits, but you're also doing it on Twitter and so in the world of social media as well. So definitely a lot of positives to take to take so far with K-State recruiting with not only the visits and the, the um, potential, uh, but just the, the fan excitement. How many twi- Twitter replies we're seeing yeah. Cats, cats, cats every every time. Yeah. And I think that, that that stuff matters. You know, I think that stuff actually matters. I mean, these people pay attention to their Twitter. If they see it, you know, with all K State stuff, you know, I mean, I was watching Naquan Tomlin's highlights. There was like nobody in the stands when during pretty much all of his games that I saw that showed highlights. So it's gonna be quite an adjustment for him. Now, now you're yeah. gonna be playing in front of a rabid fan base and in, in, in the best best college basketball conference in the country. I mean, that's a that's a massive upgrade for yeah, sure. It's a huge upgrade. I, mean, I imagine like the first game, the opposing team, you know, the K-State students are just going to be like, you know, who's that? But then they do our lap. They'll be like, wait, they're like, no, actually, like, who is that? I don't, I don't even know our own players. I think, I, well, K-State, well, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to be like that, considering that the first home game of the season will be UTRGV, yeah. University of Texas, Rio Grande. Rio Grande, Grand, yeah. Yeah, yep. that's like that's like the Texas version of a Ui Pui. <laughs> you, do you know Ui, the the was it Indiana University, Purdue University of oh, Indianapolis? I, and then you also have IPFW, Indiana Purdue Fort Wayne <laughs> University so as well. Um, just a lot of these intriguing names, but uh, I mean, we might. It it really depends on how the players are developed overall and. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of see like as the years gone on with Bruce Weber, with Bruce Weber, uh, in the Bruce Weber era, uh, we, we've seen the players, we, we just kind of see more of the ways the players have been able to develop. And I'm talking more particularly towards the center since they've been kind of more stalled when it comes to full developmental tasks and all that. Um, and the offense overall just what wasn't always in a consistent pattern as well. Yeah, I but, was watching. I was watching some of you know Tomlin's highlights, and I was like, man, they're running some cool sets. Like, why don't we do this stuff? I mean, it's his highlights, obviously. A lot of them were just like cool lob plays and stuff, and it's Juco ball. But I mean, like, I was like, these Juco are some ball. cool it's, sets. It's, like, Juco ball is a different breed. Yeah, it's it's definitely something else. But um. I mean, John, we should probably have the conversation about some of the NIL stuff that dropped since we didn't have to get the chance to. Obviously, Nigel Pack signed a huge deal. That's, you know, two years, $800,000. Got himself a car, too. And that was just with one company. I believe it was LifeSmart. I mean, he's got an opportunity Uh, for a ton more in Miami. LifeWallet is what it's called. Oh, LifeWallet. I'm sorry. Uh, LifeWallet. I mean, and obviously that came under flack for a lot of people. Um, I mean, I think the point that really sticks out to me is one by uh, that John Kurtz made on Twitter. It's that like, you know, I don't think any of the blame should be put on the players. Like these players, you know, they're, if you're going to put, pay them money to play basketball, they're going to, they're going to take that. I mean, it's just, it's just logical sense, right? You have to be a realist in these types of scenarios. And um, also 
I mean, the NCAA had plenty of time to set this up, but they stalled for as long as possible until they lost in court and they were just forced to throw it in there. And now it's like the Wild the, West. The NCAA at this point is just a complete lost cause. They, they've, they've given the players the opportunity, but they didn't set any rules or regulations about some of the policies. And now you're seeing the likes of not only Nigel Pack get a lot of money, you're also looking at players such as Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of Pittsburgh, uh, I'm mean, kind of going into football a little bit, but I mean, he, the amount of football deals for NIL is just absolutely absurd um, uh, with what's been happening there. USC is paying him a lot of money. Alabama is starting to put him, put him into consideration as well. It's not really about loyalty anymore. And uh, we, we kind of, we, I mean, we've seen this already with Nigel Pack and, uh, but something something that is starting to kind of wrap around my mind a little bit is there starting to be some tampering concerns as well because we because there could be some tampering concerns of not only Jordan Addison but I think but I think at the same time you also look at uh, uh, kind of a Kai Thomas situation when he was being heavily looked at by K State before he left the transfer portal potentially and uh pj fleck accused him of of tampering as well so um with, with the ever ever-changing landscape um especially with the with nil there could be some potential troubling trouble looming uh for some of the schools that continue to keep on tampering as well yeah and i mean you mentioned it'd be nice if there were some rules that could be set on tampering or anything like that but there are no rules i mean everybody's pretty much just playing calvin ball and trying to see what they can get away with because the, the the NCAA they they've reached their ultimate wild west. Like, yeah, and then they, people. They, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and then people are just like, well, you know, obviously this has all happened. Let's just shut it down. It's like that's not the answer. The answer isn't just to shut it down. There's definitely a middle ground to be had. There's you definitely just, you know. You just gotta have. You just gotta have some standards when it comes to yeah. some of this stuff. And because. I mean, the thing is, if you if like, you know, it was probably already going on anyway behind the scenes. But now that it's legal, you can put rules on it and regulate it in a way that's, you know, transparent instead of just everything being in the back door. And you can actually be transparent about it, which will make it way easier. There's there's probably going to be some experimentation. Obviously, this um, and the in combination with the transfer portal just made everything just so hectic you know, being able to leave at a moment's notice. And, you know, if you want to take a deal, you can. But, I mean, you know, they're kids. I mean, you know, if, if they're going to be offered that kind of money, they're obviously going to take it. Especially for the ones that are that are going to be highly recruited. Yeah. And uh, for me as a K-State fan, I, I at first I was a little concerned about that on the basketball part because ultimately I was not anticipating for the likes of Julian Phillips or – uh, Antoine Davis to be considering K-State when they could be potentially reaching some higher NIL deals at some of the schools like Kentucky, Duke, KU, uh, some of those schools. But for K-State, I mean, to really be in this position with the amount, with the amount of people that care for this pro, uh, for, this, for the athletic programs, able to, able to, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the best way to put it? Um, Really, is would sacrifice be a good word? Um, just ha just giving uh, the players the opportunity to to be paid, um, um, uh, like, like above the bar, 
Oh, yeah. When it yeah. comes to the Power Five, because a lot of people say you don't have a lot of opportunities in Manhattan, Kansas. But you're starting to see them not only grow around Manhattan, but you're starting to see them grow around the state of Kansas. And this kind, of bring, this kind of brings me to football a little bit as well. If, I mean, if, if K-State's able to land a- Avery Johnson possibly or, or and maybe to a lesser extent Dylan Edwards at this point, oh, man, I mean, can you imagine the, the amount of NIL deals that will be taking place, Manhattan, Wichita, around the state of Kansas? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's some big stuff. It's some big stuff that's going to be changing, and we just got to be ready for it. Yeah, I mean, the opportunities are there, and you can be totally creative. You can make your own merch like Skylar Thompson or Nigel Pack did. You know, there's plenty of deals around town to be made, and obviously now with the, some of these NIL collectives that have come together for K-State, that's really going to help them a lot. Obviously, the stuff Aaron Lockett's doing as well with his agency um, is helping people like Aoka Lee as well. Um, there's definitely opportunities there, John. It's just, you know, you have to be able to go out there and take them. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a better way. I That's put in the best words possible right there. Yeah, I think that's a good place to end it. So, I mean, kind of in summation, John, we've got, you know, we just had that big NIL uh, conversation, but, you know, a couple more recruits coming in, Julian Phillips, Layden Blocker. Um, we're still waiting on Sean Phillips and Antoine Davis. So those four guys, again, Julian Phillips, I uh, just, Antoine Davis, uh, uh, Sean Phillips, and then uh, who's the other guy? I just said that I I'm totally blanking on. Uh, you got oh, Layden Blocker. Blocker, yeah, the 2023 yeah. four star. So we're waiting on those four guys. Two of them you, visiting, two can, of them have visited and are still good. We we can also confirm that uh, Julian Phillips he he'll be committing on uh, May 17th as well. He's going to take two more visits, uh, one of which will be to K State. Uh, and um, uh, he'll make his decision on May 17th. Um, uh, confirmed on his Twitter. Nice. Well, K State fans will be eagerly awaiting for that, ready for their uh, their K State gifs to be uh, to you know, to reply with that. So, uh, I think that's a good place to end it, John. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick break and then we'll talk some cats in the NFL and uh, some baseball, Big 12 stuff as well. And we're back here to talk about some of the cats that got uh, drafted or signed in free agents in the NFL. Um, got a couple of them drafted at the very end, John. Skylar Thompson, I believe, was 247. I don't have – maybe – do you have it in front of you? You should probably just read it if you have it in front of you. But Skylar Thompson, Russ Yeast, both drafted near the end of the, uh, the draft. Skylar Thompson to the Dolphins, Russ Yeast to the Rams. So they're both going to some places with some very nice weather. Awesome. Oh yeah, very very nice weather. It get it gets me jealous every time. But <laughs> boy, I, I was I was I was anticipating for at least one Wildcat to to go to the NFL draft. Uh, my my best bet was Skylar Thompson, but I would I would have had Josh Rivas uh, in Rusty's um, potentially as well. Uh, but then as the draft kept on going and going, I was like, uh, I'm I'm not anticipating it. Seven quarterbacks. Uh, already, already uh, uh, passed up uh, Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins. The Dolphins already have uh, Tua Tagovailoa and Teddy Bridgewater already as quarterback. So I wasn't anticipating for Skylar to head down to Miami. I was anticip- I was thinking of maybe Houston or Detroit as some of the options. 
but that's a but man did Miami surprise me I I mean they already have two tongue of a low as a starter with a couple more years on his contract and Teddy Bridgewater has a back backup with uh, with a one year deal uh, worth ten million dollars uh, they they've only had but I find this interesting as well they've only had two quarterbacks on their depth chart uh, throughout the past few years. Given that Tonga Valoa has had some injury problems in the past, but the competition may may be in his favor, like kind of bias speaking. But but you got three yeah. guys that can be you got three guys that can be active and can make things happen with their legs. And I I I think I'm a little bit more intrigued about Skylar Thompson because he's not the most exciting brand of football. But I mean that that's kind of what you're going to get out of K State. It's not the most exciting brand of football you'll get but it's it, he he is the type of quarterback that can make smart plays um real well coordinated um i i think this is going to be interesting yeah i mean i hope to see him play at some point you know you never know um especially with you have uh you know tua and uh, teddy bridgewater both the guys who've gotten hurt before so i mean you can dream you know that classic skylar thompson the tyree kill connection that we all definitely thought was going to come um, is possible so it's I mean, just you never not know. just not in just not in your favorite team's uniform yeah unfortunately you're a chiefs fan yeah so well, that we'll, means i i can cheer oh for tyree now you i guess you can okay yeah, afc I'm west is gonna be crazy it's gonna be loaded yeah i mean I, well i didn't even watch the draft but i know i know the chiefs did pretty well they got a wide receiver that they uh really wanted it was, seems like kind of a steal so we'll see we'll see what they can do what happens? See what they can do. But um, l- listening to the interactions with Chris Greer, the Dolphins general manager, and yeah, Mike McDaniel's the new Dolphins head coach. Uh, being on the phone with Skylar, I mean, they they they've uh, they they released a video on that, and it, it it sounded it sounded incredible. Like you got it from Skylar's point of view on the K State social media, and then you got the Dolphins uh interactions on their social media i just thought it was really cool seeing seeing that moment happen and seeing their reactions as well yeah that was a really cool moment i mean you know it's everybody's dream come true to be drafted and it's really special that it happened to skylar you know a guy that we're all very familiar with you know i mentioned that um some people you know have grown up only knowing skylar thompson as the quarterback at k-state so it's sad to see him go but um, Adrian Martinez seems like a pretty sick dude and, uh, team's looking pretty good, but that's, you know, for the future. Um, so we'll just go ahead and uh, go through some of the, uh, free agent signings that have happened so far. Um, Josh Rivas, uh, offensive lineman going to the giants, Timmy Horn, uh, going to the Falcons, Ben Adler also going to the giants. So that's pretty fun. Gerard McPherson, the Falcons as well. So I guess they're going in pairs, uh, Bronson Massey, uh, to the bucks and then Daniel Amator Bebe. Uh, going to the Jets, all those were the uh, free agent signings. We're still waiting on Reggie Stubblefield. It'd be well, hard to believe, John, that the Sauce Boss doesn't get signed. I I think his day will come for sure. But we we did forget to we we did forget to mention Russ Yeast a little bit, and I kind yeah. of feel that for kind for doing that. While while Yeast was tearing it up at K State, he had four picks, and he was all Big Twelve last season. A lot of people had had him. In the 30s, based on a few projections, uh, but he was picked up by the Super Bowl champions at the end of the day. And man, I, I mean, that's that's definitely an honor, like being picked up by the Super 
Super Bowl champs of all teams. Yeah. That, that's big. That's big as well. So uh no, I wasn't I wasn't pushing him to the side, but I know I know a lot more of a focus was was towards Skylar Thompson uh, on that day for sure. But it was great to see two Wildcats make it in and zero Longhorns in as well, because man was was that was that funny as well. Oh man, I yeah, I was gonna bring that up. It just <laughs> more KU players got drafted than Texas Longhorn players. And I, I mean I saw more, more of Wichita. Alchita Baptist players <laughs> made it into the draft in Texas. Did it's? I mean, you could go on forever with them. I mean, what they've had top ten recruiting classes like every year. I mean, I know Fox put out that graphic comparing uh, the new Big Twelve uh, teams that had uh, players drafted compared to the you know Texas and Oklahoma. And obviously, Texas was not contributing at all. I think Oklahoma had nine. Cincinnati, but, um, Cincinnati had a lot. I, yeah. I was very impressed, and I think Luke Fickle could really develop a lot more talent uh, with with this incoming new Big Twelve as well. But looking at some of a looking at some of those numbers um, as well. Uh, uh, oh, you you mentioned Oklahoma with nine. I can't. Oh, I can't remember for the life of me. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll here I'll pull it up right here because I. Here we go. Uh, you got BYU and UCF with one, uh, and you also got Houston with three. So, I think when it comes 14? to 14, yeah. That's pretty 14. solid. When you're four teams, yeah, especially when think, you get nine just from one of them. Just think about what you can do with um, with a lot more Big 12 type of talent, Power 5 talent. I mean, schools like Houston, UCF, they're already in the – recruiting areas now they just now they can really develop the players they'll be they'll be well marketed i mean they, yeah that's show, those, show this graphic to all of the uh the texas guys that are thinking about going to texas you know i mean it's just like if you want to play in the nfl careful, like careful you should come you, here careful what you wish for is really the best way to sum it up uh yeah. for recruits who are wanting to go to texas and I'll, I'll and also be prepared for uh, witnessing the men's swimming and diving national championships. Oh yeah, well. yeah, they're so, crushing uh, it. They're probably making millions off that swimming and diving team. Ooh, talk about nil. Anyway, right. I just I just got I just got one more thing to hit on, John. What do you think about Brock Purdy being uh, Mister uh, Irrelevant? Yes. Pretty fitting. Very very fitting. I mean, yeah. I, the amount of talk that I've heard from Iowa State fans throughout throughout last season like oh man Brock Purdy's gonna be one of the top QBs he's got a lot of weapons as well not discrediting any of them uh, and Brees Hall he I think Brees Hall should have been in the first first round but drafted by the Bills but that never came into fruition but um but seeing Brock Purdy as Mr. Irrelevant it just sounds you you said it's so fitting with the amount of turnovers he made. Just I mean, come on, and it, and it was good to see that Skylar Thompson was was picked over the likes of Brock Purdy, Jack yeah, Cone, uh, Carson Strong, who who I, I was surprised by Carson Strong as well. He wasn't yeah. at all either. But um, seeing seeing that being the case, I, I was I I was really I was really happy about that. I mean I I. I mean, I, uh, I'm just glad that the NFL didn't really take the big names over 
the likes of a Skylar Thompson because he wasn't really mentioned as much in the media compared to the likes of Jack Cohn and Brock Purdy as well. So you you love to see it. You love yeah. to you love to call Iowa State irrelevant in, in anything. Yeah, there, just there, there's an I and irrelevant, and there's also an I in Iowa State. <laughs> Conspiracy? I, I don't think so. I think I'm, not. I mean, if we can stick it to Iowa State in any way, it especially with the Skylar Thompson Brock Purdy thing, that def, it definitely feels good. It feels pretty good to be able to say uh, Skylar Thompson got drafted ahead of Brock Purdy, and probably. You know, we'll see what happens in the NFL if either of them get a shot. I hope both of them do, and we'll see how they do. So, see what because I mean, do. we haven't had a K State quarterback play since Josh Freeman, which had mixed results is definitely the best way to put it. Um, so definitely. I think, yeah, mixed results. I think that's a good place to end it with uh, some cats in the NFL. We'll wrap up quickly with uh, talking some Big Twelve conference realignment. Are they going to do divisions? Are they going to not? Even are they even going to have a conference title game? and then wrap up with some baseball as well when we come back. All right, John, and we are back here to talk some uh, Big 12 conference realignment, which we haven't really had on in a while. So obviously in the 2023-24 um, academic or the um, sports season, uh, we're going to get four new teams, and Texas and Oklahoma are just going to take their sweet little time to leave. So we got to figure out what to do. And uh, we're, you know, obviously people are thinking, go back to divisions, but I think as we've seen, you know, go on with time, John, uh, divisions haven't aged really well. But, I mean, uh, you can go ahead and take it away. Well, right now, co- conferences with 12 or, or more divisions uh, or more teams, sorry, must have two divisions. And with, with the division winners meeting in the conference, tit- uh, conference title game, uh, alternatively, the conferences with less than 12 schools must have a round-robin schedule in order to host the conference championship in which the Big 12 uh, broke, uh, broke the world because it previously used to be only divisions where you can do the conference title. But that never really aged well. Uh, and, well, ultimately for, for K-State back in the 90s, well, it was a lot more easier because you can catch Nebraska or Colorado in a down year and you can win the conference championship championship then you ought to deal with the big 12 south because because that back then they were incredibly loaded when you had the likes of texas texas and uh oklahoma i mean you also had mike leach uh just tearing it up in in 2008 back at texas tech um so it it was just a lot of unbalance as well you're you're kind of looking at the big 10 west big 10 east as an example uh, just with how depleted the Big Ten West is, having to send Northwestern to the Big Ten Championship a few years as well. Um, so that's kind of the overall background on that. Uh, so with, with a new proposal, if, if it passes, the Big 12 could play without divisions or, or a round-robin schedule in 2023 and 2024, and it would continue to put its two highest-ranked teams in the conference championship game. I mean, sounds like I mean, a pretty that's, foolproof that's, that's, plan to me. That's perfect. I mean, yep. at first I was like, uh, uh, just give us the opponents. We'll, we'll be ready. But looking at it, what it can do financially in terms of conference championship revenue, you don't have to look at one of these Ohio State Northwestern type of games uh, with, the, with, the, with the divisions. You can, you can potentially now – uh, not only 
get some of your protected rivalries on the schedule, like K-State, you would get KU, Iowa State, maybe an Oklahoma State every year on your schedule. Well, the rest of the schedule rotates. But you are, but if you make it to the conference championship game, you are able to compete with another team that's either uh, above you or below you, just just barely, like the one and twos. Because we, we've seen throughout the past few years, especially like back in, I'm going to use 1998 as an example, when we played Texas A&M, te- uh, they, were, they were ranked very, really low. Uh, I mean, Texas A&M was the top team of the South, but they were ranked a little bit low uh, in some of the polls. They they were able to beat what was in, I think, number one K-State. Uh, and then tragedies, tragedies yeah. since then. So I, I think I, I like it. I'm going to be very intrigued to see how, how the uh, new, new schedule proposal would work, um, especially with considering how, how the um, – have a new tra- travel traveling uh, strategies would work yeah. as well. Yeah, I think Nebraska. You you know you kind of mentioned those like the old divisions. Nebraska was always the hurdle to get over here. Uh, get over. You know we would have a good season every year, and then you know Nebraska would just be above us and be able to make it to the conference championship. Um, I mean, you know the goal, John, is just to have the two teams play each other at the end of the season in conference play. We've seen how hard that is in college football in general. Uh, with some of the BCS controversies we've talked about on uh, Willie's archive. But, I mean, it seems like a foolproof plan if you d- implement the pod system where you just have, you know, three teams um, every year that you play every single year, and then you just rotate through the scheduling. Because scheduling is the main concern if you don't do divisions. Um, and, it's not- and, and you would probably want to have that with your, with, your big, with your bigger rivals within the Big 12. So, well, I mean, you uh, like I mentioned, you got KU and Iowa State on K-State schedule. Uh, Oklahoma, you'll probably have like Texas and Oklahoma State. Maybe West Virginia gets something going uh, over with UCF and Cincinnati. BYU is kind of questioning to me, though. Do, do they do something with like Baylor and TCU with kind of a religious? Like, <laughs> the Holy Wars. The Holy Wars. No, yeah. that's that's BYU and Utah. They're called the Holy War. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, uh, they called Baylor and BYU the Sailor Bowl last season. So I I, I don't know, I I don't know how that's all gonna work. But uh, yeah, I it, think ultimately, ultimately this is this is a smart this could be a smart move on the Big Twelve part if they're if they're able to get it passed. I mean we we talked about a lot in the past how 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 the big 12 wasn't wasn't always was the smartest like the smartest association when it came to making decisions um kind of missing out on expansion targets at times and uh throughout the past few years it, it kind of looks like now they're starting to get get things going yeah and then you know kind of getting screwed by not having a conference championship game when you have baylor and tcu both on the outside looking into the college football playoff you know, that yeah. was something that really could have came in handy. But I think the Big 12 is on the right track. They're on the right line of thinking. I think, you know, doing a pod system with 14 teams and then eventually going down to 12 is the right move. You're going to get the two oh. best teams to play each other every year. That's all and you can we'll ask have, for. And we'll have to see how the new leadership kind of forms out in, in the Big 12 as well. We already know Bob Bowlesby. He's going to be um, he's going to be stepping down uh, within the next few next two to three months. Maybe I, I haven't looked uh, too closely into that, but um, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of some stuff to work on for the new conference commissioner. 
uh, especially if you want to really bring the prestige uh, prestige level up in the Big 12. You, that championship game uh, with the one and twos, that'd be, that'd be absolutely fantastic on their part. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I think we're just kind of getting it, kind of starting off with like what our future schedules are going to look like. And we'll just see how it kind of goes from there. I, I, mean, I don't know. We've got time. We've got a couple, we got like, I guess, you know, it's not as much time as maybe people think, but we got 18 months to try and, you know, figure something out. I mean, generally kind of just in the big picture, they've got some tough competition, you know, based on everybody's project projections that the SEC is just going to keep being able to make all this money and all these other power yeah. five schools might not be able to, you know, ca uh, catch up. The SEC and the big 10, they were just starting yeah. to create a massive separation gap um, between them and the PAC 12, big 12 and ACC. And I'm kind of looking at, I'm kind of focusing my, I'm kind of focusing now towards the realignment side, which the PAC 12's TV deals are coming up uh, in, in the next couple of years. If they, if they don't get anything going uh with their, with their TV deals, um, you could potentially see the likes of USC and Oregon departing the Pac-12 maybe for the Big Ten, just with a way, uh, just for a potential counterpart, counterpunch um, with what the SEC did with adding Texas and Oklahoma. So a lot of, lot of uncertainties around for sure. Yeah, a lot of uncertainties around. Yeah, especially for a Pac-12 that's not going to get a revamped college football playoff system for at least a few years. Yeah, you aren't getting that 12-team playoff, which would have been very beneficial for well, especially the Big 12. Yeah, uh, I mean. I mean, because you, you we've had Oklahoma car carrying the Big 12 throughout the past, uh, what was it, four to five years in the playoffs, but they just haven't been really able to get over that the SEC hump or Clemson as yeah. well. So uh, while it, it is kind of disappointing at this point that the, the conference commissioners haven't been able to get something going and, and even more, even more disappointing, the SEC had, had like gave, gave the conference commissioner, Greg Sankey gave the conference commissioners uh, an opportunity to get your team in the end of a into a to into an expanded playoff. So instead of having the SEC just hover around with two teams in it uh, every year, but the ACC, but I think Jim Phillips out of the ACC, he he he, I think he and uh, I think as well as maybe Klyukov uh, and Warren out of the Big Ten, I think they might have de uh, declined to de uh, de declined to. Uh, oh, like, yeah, the uh, proposal. Playoff. I mean, they're kind of they're kind of making their own they're, they're kind of making their own bet at this point. Uh, well, the ACC especially because they're in a terrible they're, they're in the worst TV deal for a fourteen team conference. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's like like NIL. It's 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 this. Uh, it's going to change. I mean, it's going to change. It, it's going to be, a, it's going to be chaos. Boy. Yeah, it's, that's the way I can end it on. It's been one of the crazier few years of college football that we've had with discussions about the new playoff NIL, the transfer portal conference realignment. I mean, it's just been absolutely crazy. We had a crazy um, coaching carousel in college football in the off season. I mean, it's just been all over the place, John, absolutely crazy.
I mean, you're looking, I'm looking at, um, I'm making a, uh, I'm looking up this roster of like teams that are going to be departing uh, uh, to new conferences because of this Oklahoma, Texas ripple effect. You're going to have 30 plus teams switching, uh, switching <laughs> conferences now. And I mean, I mean uh, like you're going to have a few uh, uh, moving up to the, uh, to the division one ranks um, as well. So with money, with money comes ultimate disaster. At, well, oh, yeah, with, money, money. with money creates great riches, more problems, but it also creates more problems as well. Yeah, it's it's just a it's just a crazy mess that I'm sure we'll continue to talk about as it develops. So um, yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, let's wrap up with some baseball, John. Um, do we do we need to talk about the first two games? <sighs> If you don't know, K-State played Oklahoma all, all, last weekend all, all I, in Norman. All I got to say is that the pitching kind of imploded at the end. It, it was really – you hate to see it. I mean, K-State got double-digit runs in the second I mean, in the second game. They got, I think, was it 10 or 11 runs? But, oh, man, Oklahoma's, yeah. hitting, Oklahoma's hitting was hot those first two days. But K-State – uh, they got they got a big win on Sunday. You got um, with Dominic Johnson connecting on a go ahead two run home run in the eighth inning, really capping off. Uh, oh, what was it? A stretch of six answer, unanswered runs, I believe that was, uh, to complete K State's uh, eight to seven victory. So it it was a big one for K State, uh, avoiding going under five hundred. Uh, now you can kind of you can kind of uh, push push on to uh, push on to uh, your record a little bit with a lighter schedule with Wichita State tonight as we're recording this. I mean, you also got KU this weekend and uh, Baylor, the Baylor next, the following week as well. Yeah, which seemed like, especially the KU one being at home, seems like a series you can win. Uh, I mean, look at the stats for these two Oklahoma games at the start of it are just hilarious. Like how long the scoring summary is. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, what they had an eight run. They were already up 18 to one, 19 to one after the third inning. Ooh, that's, that's real tough. That's real Ugh. tough. Yeah, Griffin that was... Hassel, that's 13 earned runs and two and a third. That is going to hurt his ERA. Oh that my is gosh. Just... Ooh. The, the, pitch, the, pitching, the pitching really needs uh, um, a, different, a different perspective. Um, we we've seen we've seen we've seen players such as Dylan Phillips really get things going when we need him uh, the most. Blake Adams, of course, yeah, uh, doing his dirty work as well. But the the others have just not been really able to capitalize as much as maybe the coaching staff, but also the fans have been intending to as well. Yeah, Blake Adams has really been um, key for us. I mean, he was the pitcher on Sunday who got us the win. You know, he's able at least just to tread water. You know, six runs looks pretty good compared to 14 and you know 22 um or whatever it was was it 22 um for the other game i was yeah it was 22 i mean oh my gosh i mean you have colin mccullough who seems like kind of our you know friday night ace guy just you know he's able to go five innings but gives up six earned you know on friday and then it's just down i mean we weren't able to get a run until the ninth inning those are just you know garbage time pity runs they probably had their shortstop pitching or something i mean (laughs) uh, it's just I mean, uh, I don't really get it how we can, how it's just two different teams home and away. But uh, I thought I mean, we were they, really turning a corner we, after. Well, 
we we've seen this before as well with women's basketball as well yeah. like it, it looks like a completely different team at home where it just looks really good when you see a yoko lee score 61 points at oklahoma i mean you also have a uh, a lot of a lot of great defense as well. I mean, you kind of hit the road as well, and it just kind of falls off from there. Yeah, I, th- I thought this team was really turning a corner, you know, after getting the, uh, you know, the few wins on the road. You know, you uh, get two, a series win against UC Irvine. You take two against Texas on the, over the weekend. You know, able to beat Omaha pretty can, you know, it was, it was a little close, but, you know, you're able to run away with it at the end. But to, you know, get beaten down like this, that bad, is I'm sure well, really, you know, that and sucks. I, and, and, I'm not, and I'm not going to downplay Oklahoma in terms of how good they are in baseball as well. Oklahoma, uh, they are looking really good as well. They, they, they um, I mean, if you want to look at some of their scores as of late as well, they, they I mean, looking, they were also in Arlington earlier this year with, uh, with K-State, they, they beat Auburn. They they beat Michigan as well. Just kind of looking through wow. this list of teams. Oh man, they they had a brutal schedule. They beat Dallas Baptist twice. A a historically strong baseball program. Um, it's just that's a tough schedule for Oklahoma and the way they're handling business uh, against some of the Big Twelve competitions. Pretty impressive. They scored twenty four runs against KU uh, last last Sunday. So uh, it. So it might be kind of on the same boat as well. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens here. But uh, the, the Big 12, it's it's a tough conference. I mean, you'll be lucky to even come – well, for a school like K-State or KU, you'll be lucky to come away with a, with a, with a, few, with a few series wins. Yeah, it's, I mean, especially when it, the schedule is just so front-loaded. You're playing all the best teams at the very end and then the teams that are the most beatable at the very end of the schedule, which is just pretty brutal. But, you know, I think being able to rebound after two double-digit losses and, you know, get yeah. some, some uh, you know, uh, score six unanswered in the uh, seventh and eighth innings to uh, take a lead, I mean, that's really, you know, that shows a lot of resilience. I think it's representative of this team. Um, if you're listening to this, like, right as it comes out, they're playing Wichita State tonight, but there's also the uh, Sunflower Showdown over the weekend against KU, uh, who are really going to stick it to John. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sunflower games all around. You got the Shockers tonight. Yep. Jayhawks this weekend. We should have a series of Wichita State now. I don't like. I am not a fan of these midweek series type of yeah. match. It, yeah, I it's mean, a little weird. I just, I just love to see maybe. Maybe like one game being played in Wichita one day, one game being played in Manhattan the other. Maybe get one game out in uh, what is that? That Riverfront Stadium in Wichita. Oh yeah, Surge. Yeah, I love to see a game over there as well. So that's a cool stadium. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe potentially get a game over at Legends or Kauffman Stadium. Just kind of just kind of expand on some of the horizons of some of these midweek matchups. That's all. Yeah, I mean, it would probably be tough to get to Kaufman. We'd have to like, you know, especially with scheduling years in advance, they'd probably have to get really lucky with the Royal schedule, and they wouldn't be able to. But anyway, I mean, it'd be cool to play a three-game series with uh, Wichita. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe not a three-game at Kaufman, but like, yeah, maybe a three-game over at. Oh, uh, maybe yeah, that Windsurge Stadium because that that one's state of the art 
when it comes to some of the minor league facilities uh, in baseball, for sure. But um, we'll see what happens this week. Um, K-State should be able to get the win tonight with the way Wichita State has just looked this year. They've just looked uh, – oh, man. Yeah. Ever since ever since that quick trip tweet, I mean, it's just haunted them ever since. <laughs> it's the since. quick trip curse, yeah. Yep. How dare it. they? It's, it's just not been – historically, Wichita State's one of the best programs in baseball, but they've just not been able to find that – they've just not been able to get back to that point throughout these past few years. So uh, a lot of opportunities for K-State to, to win the – to win to – win, all four of all four of their games this week this week that would that would definitely be really good yeah they're playing wsu tonight or tuesday night um whenever you're listening to this and they play uh this friday saturday and sunday at home Toynton family stadium against the kansas university jayhawks who are going to destroy john uh we are going to destroy them so i think that's a good place to end it i think we got a lot to look forward to um antoine davis future wildcat julian phillips future wildcat sean phillips Future Wildcat. Pencil, pencil them in. Pencil them in already. Pencil them in. What, do we have seven guys on our roster now? Seven guys, and I think K-State's four for five. On four visits? Five on, yeah, four for five on visits. I think one of the players that K-State was initially looking at as well um, committed to Xavier. So. Yeah, I know uh, Marcus Hammond, who was interested, committed to Notre Dame as well. But, I mean, we still have, what, six, five or six spots to fill? I mean, there's we're still offering a ton of guys. There's yep. just so much potential, John. So not much not, potential. Not only that, but you're also looking – you're kind of looking more into the future as well with Layden Blocker out of the 2023. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're not only looking at who to fill in this year, but you're looking at – rosters for next year and it's like oh man we're just getting started we're just getting started i'm excited yeah i mean this this is just the beginning we're starting a dynasty so uh let's go ahead and get out of here john i'm very hungry so make sure you're following us on twitter at shaken blake 312 follow the podcast wherever you're listening shaken blake uh my name is blake crawford alongside john grove if you didn't know obviously uh take our quizzes on sporkle uh, sporkle.com you can just go um the links will be in the description of this episode we can also just go to sporkle.com look up k-state sports trivia uh, round one two or three i think there's a fourth one out there as well so you can take any of those and uh cats by 90 cats by 90 <laughs>